Hall of Fame broadcaster Marty Brenneman here, and you're stepping inside the mayor's office. Here's your host, Sean Casey. Right down the front door, Chinchy. What's going on, brother? We're back at it again, man. What's up? How's everything going, man? Everything's good. We got a big show today. Good guy coming on, right? A good friend of ours. Yeah, oh, dude. We got our man Mark DeRosa coming on with you, kidding me? And, and, uh, man, he's got great stories. One of the funniest funniest guys you'll ever be around. Awesome. And so brutally honest. I love him so much. I'm so glad to hang out with him today. But you are in the festive holiday mood today, bro. Look at this shirt. <laughs> what do you got going on? Got, you got all your it's presents? It's like the, and the lumberjack shirt. Yeah. I mean, everyone, everyone's got to have one of these in their closet. I'm sure everybody does. It's like that, you know, you just want to look like, you know, you could go out there and, and, and hack some wood, you know, cut some wood <laughs> up or whatever. Yeah. But I always think like, change like this is like, I think I got this for Christmas a couple of years ago. This is like what you get dads. <laughs> like the other day, my, the other day, my daughter's like, dad, what do you want? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I just love, you know, my dad used to say when we were growing up, I just love being with you guys. Just love yeah. being together. I'm like, come on, dad. Like, what do you want? And I get my dad, like, I get my dad, like, socks or a tie. Yeah. Or and a I hammer. swear to God, I said to my daughter, Carl, the other day, I go, just get me some good winter socks. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, or maybe some slippers. Get me some slippers. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what happened in the days of, like, Optimus Prime, yeah. Hulk Hogan <laughs> wrestling figures, like, Nintendo, like, Pitfall, Atari, Othello, you know, like, you yeah. kidding me? Now I'm like, Get me socks no, and a sweater. I, like, I need I some sweatshirts. I'm, I get cold at night now. I need a sweatshirt or something. And you're like, what yeah, the yeah, hell right. happened to my life? <laughs> yeah, dude, I suck now. I got like, give me a flannel. <laughs> give me a flannel and some socks and I'm good. Just let's be together. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's unbelievable. Oh, that's that's the way it goes, Gingy. You know what I mean? That's, Absolutely. That's how we do it. So we got presents, socks, slippers. And I tell you what, from our sponsor today, you might want to get into what they're what they're offering too. So a word from our sponsor right before we get to Mark DeRosa. Chinch, support this week for the mayor's office is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0, baby. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code THEMAYOR at manscaped.com. I tell you what though, I love these things, Chinch. I've had them. I've had Manscaped 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, and this is the 4.0. This one has a new sleek design. It's perfect for guys like me though, dude. I'm one of the hairiest guys going. That's a fact. And for, and as the fact, and forever, man, forever. I've been looking for the best trimmers. Even going way back years of when I was playing, I'd always nick myself up, cut myself as the worst. These trimmers right here, man, they are the best. They are the absolute best. Trims up my back, trims up my arm, the jewels, whatever it takes. But this trimmer is the absolute best. The 4.0, the lawnmower from Manscaped. I can vouch for that. I know Sean wears a sweater 24 hours a day, (laughs) 365 days a year, and he needs this. He sent me one. I'm so psyched. I shave with it. That's how good you got, it is. That's how yeah, and Chinch, I've tried every every one you could try, every clipper you could possibly buy. I've tried. Yeah. This by far is the best. Yeah, Sean the puts best. a clipper on his, it, it'll break the clippers, but not the manscaper. Yeah. So every, everyone, everyone should have this, bro. Everyone yeah, look, should have one of these. They absolutely should. So here's how you get it, okay? You get 20% off and free shipping with the code the mayor, right, Sean? The mayor yes. at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping, manscaped.com, and use the code the mayor 
unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped and you can look as clean as Casey does now. When, he's, <laughs> when he doesn't use a Manscaped, it's like Sasquatch. There's the, the people call cops on the Lawnmower 4.0, go get it. It's unbelievable, Chip. <laughs> Boom, Chinchy. You got to love it, bro. A little manscaped action. Trim it up real nice. Take care of business. We got an Ivy Leaguer here today. Oh, dude. You got even Ivy Leaguers use manscaped. If you went to Columbia, (laughs) Brown, wherever you went, you know what I mean? Dude, this guy, this is a special one for us, Chinch. This is one of our buddies. This is one. This guy's one of us. You know, always has been. Let's break it down. 16 seasons in this show. That's a long time, guys. Okay. 98 (laughs) to 2003. Absolutely doing his thing. Um, you know, it's funny looking looking back. This guy, when he got a chance to start, put up some pretty legit numbers, right? Came up as a utility guy with the Braves, put up some big numbers with the Rangers, um, with Cleveland, with St. Louis, with the Cubs. But then, you know, then he a couple years later won a championship with the San Francisco Giants. How you doing? Get the ring on the <laughs> finger. I never won one of those. Uh, now he's with MLB Central, MLB Network, but has his own show in the mornings. You have to be big time to have your own show. <laughs> this guy has it at MLB Central. Let's bring in our man, Mark DeRosa, into the mayor's office, baby. Let's go, go, baby. <laughs> Let's get it, D-Ro. Let's get it, baby. <laughs> hey, brother, I always got to you, – you, on MLB Central, you're always bringing everybody in, asking them what they had for breakfast. What what'd you have for breakfast today, bro? I'm going to throw it back at you. Case, I'm going to be honest, dude. I think it's the most important meal of the day. <laughs> I'm not kidding. My mom always said that when I was a kid growing up. I'm going to hit you with what I had for breakfast. I made myself a smoothie. <laughs> nice. Car- uh, ready? Banana, apple, carrots, a little apple cider vinegar. Ooh, ooh, for the microbiome. <laughs> yeah, we get we get going. Huge cup, Huge cup of joe. And then I backed it up with like three eggs scrambled and an English muffin wow. with peanut. Oh my gosh, D Rowe. Your 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 system's kicking right now. Like just <laughs> ready to, the energy's off the charts. That's why we have you on now, because we know bam is right right after you, you had yeah. that nice breakfast. Yeah. So bro, I wanna I wanna bring it back, man. I wanna bring it I wanna I wanna turn the clock back from Mark the Rosa and just go back to the beginning. You growing up in Jersey and just I think one of the things that I that I love about, you know, your story and, and, you know, is some of the stuff you talked about, influences that you had. But your dad, Jack, was a big influence on you. Yeah. And, you know, you even some of the advice you talk about in some of the stories, you know, and you as a dad now. Can you talk about that a little bit? You growing up in a house, uh, you know, with your mom and dad, your dad being a good athlete, too. Yeah. Uh, we, so we, I think he threw a no hitter to Fairleigh Dickinson. That means he was legit yeah. pumping and sinking yeah. and cutting. Oh, well, you did, you did, you did some research, <laughs> Dude, you, Come on, are you kidding me? I know we're mayor's two, office, bro. We're two of the bigger clowns, you know. But but first of all, Casey takes notes. He studies yeah. the night before. He just got us t-shirts made. This is no joke yeah. here. It's no joke here. <laughs> this is the real. This is the real. You're, deal. Hitting me, you're hitting me right. I mean, you know, it's right around Christmas time right now, and this yeah. is when you start missing the ones mm-hmm. that that have left. Like, right? Mm-hmm. My dad was my best friend. I say that to to the nth degree. This was a guy's guy all the way. I told him everything. So, I, I mean, he just made it very easy. His expectations. He had a love. He had a love for baseball. Case. Yeah. He had a love for the game. We used to sit down. I can ima- I, I can remember multiple times pulling out the daily news. Got that thrown on the stoop every day, <laughs> and, and, and we'd go through the Yankee schedule. And he'd be like, "Pick six games out." Oh, so cool. 
And we, we'd pick six games out. Usually at that time, it was like, you know, you had to see the Red Sox. The Orioles were coming to town. Tigers were, were good with Gibby back then, Kirk oh, yeah. Griffin. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd go to six games a year. We watched every, every game. Mm-hmm. He was a huge Yankee fan, but we watched it different. Like, he loved the game from a standpoint of, what do you think he's going to throw here? Why is he throwing that? Um, you know, did you see this guy moving the box? Like he really like tried to dive into the, into the deeper parts of the game. And and he was my best coach and taught me honestly, until I got to the big leagues, he taught me the most about, uh, about the game. And I, I, there's, there's, there's no shame in that. I mean, he loved it. He loved it. He always used to tell me case because I didn't, I didn't love it. Mm. I didn't truly love, I loved being around him. Mm-hmm. And I just thought there was so much failure in the game that I couldn't <laughs> control. It yeah. ate my, it ate my soul. Uh. And then I would go out and throw three touchdowns on the football right. field. Yeah. I mean, this one, yeah. if you watch yeah. film and I come up and I see cover two or cover <laughs> three or man to man, I'm like, I know how I can beat yeah. it. I'm never not going to throw a spiral. I didn't wake up one day and just throw ducks. Like, that's the thing about baseball. It was like, you could do everything right. And suck. And suck. And it <laughs> ate my soul. <laughs> and in North Jersey, Chinch, you know this. Yes. In North Jersey, football's king. Football's king, number one. And number two, it is, I, I was going to bring this up to you. Uh, being a Northeast baseball playing growing up, like, it's not as fun. You're in a gym with rubber balls in a winter, and it's a grind, almost like you're playing basketball because basketball's exactly. a grindy season. But it doesn't – until you get to that spring game, and I'm sure you were like this too, we go down to Florida. It'd be my yeah. first at bat, and there's a and pitcher – teeth kicked in. Yeah, against like – yeah, yeah. Like uh, South – you know, USF is 14-1, and one, and they got a guy with nine homers, and I'm like standing in a thing like just thawing Thank out. You. Crazy, right? 100% right. That, But my dad always used to say to me, he goes, I see something in you, dude, on the baseball field. It, it, he made me believe I, I, I was special, right? Like football to him was an, an enjoyment. He'd sit up in the stands and, and he'd watch me do my thing and he knew I loved it, but he knew he's like, hey, bro, you're limited. Like, I'm 5'11", your mom's 5'3". You're not going to be Tom Brady. I'm sorry. You're not going to be 6'5", and, and and be able to really potentially do what you want to do. Because the, the posters on my wall were Troy Aikman and Dan Marino and, and John, Joe Montana. And that was kind of, you know, I had Don Mattingly up there too. But that, the, the dream was, I want to spin it. I want to spin it in the NFL, right? That's what you're known. Hey, Chinch, you know this. You put on your varsity letter jacket in high oh, school. Yeah, you, that walk was the ball. you walk the mall. <laughs> Ain't nobody asking you your bat now. <laughs> so right. I still have that in my parents. They want to know if you're 1992 state champ. Yes. Get me, the, get, me the, get me a leather sleeves. Let me get my number on the back, maybe the name, and just a so huge think, football logo on the back. Right? So my my dad was was a big influence on me with the baseball like he's like i'm telling you dudes it's stay with it stay with it i see something i see something and and 
I, I trusted him. When you say he was your best coach, because I know my dad, my, like my dad, you know, yeah. I love baseball because he was a baseball guy. But my dad was like, hey, two things, swing level and honey down, glove on the ground. That's my dad. He said, honey down, glove on the ground. Yeah. Is that how we're doing it, dad? Honey down. But like, I swear to God, when I got to the bigs, I'm like, all right, you got to get your honey down, glove on the ground, down <laughs> below the ball and swing level. It's like crazy. Like it was like embedded in my head. Like what, I know when you're in the big leagues, big jacks in your mind about some of the things he told you, what were some of the things that you advice he gave you as a kid that you still took with you to the show? Yeah. Just, just guys will fall into patterns, study, study guys, study guys. Not everybody wants to be in a big moment. Um, I, I just, he gave me that like sixth sense of, of how to read people. He was always very good at that. He was always very honest with me. I think, I think today, like I coach my kids 12 U team today because I didn't coach it last year. And I'm like, you know what? These kids need, they need some honesty. They need some honesty and need to have some fun. Right. Yeah. 99% of you are tapping out in high school. Why hate it at 12? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so true. I feel like for me, it was, there's not a single coach that was mean to me or that, that helped me get to the big leagues. There's no, those are not the guys that I remember. So I think my dad for me was, he believed in me. That was the biggest thing. He always used to tell me, he always had time for me. He'd come home, Case, he'd come home and I loved hoops. I loved shooting hoops. I had the, you know, the hoop on the garage and I was a latchkey kid. I had an older brother, six years older than me. So, you know, that, I mean, that's a big age gap. He's a senior in high school and I'm 12. It's like, you know, I walk in the door. He's like, I mean, you got two things, one of two things. I'm either going to lock you in the closet until <laughs> mom and dad get home. Or you're going to do everything I say until mom and dad get home. <laughs> and he's a big dude, by the way, folks. Yeah. Okay? His, so his brother's awesome. a big dude. <laughs> so I would disappear outside with my boys, right? We either playing wiffle ball, stick ball, jumping a little league fence, playing, playing football line to line or shooting hoops. I mean, every day that, that my dad's car pulled into the driveway, it was like clockwork. He was coming, you know, I saw him go inside and then the side door open, he'd come out, he'd be like, come on, game of horse or come on game. We had ping pong table in the, uh, in the garage, play a lot of ping pong or, had to catch 25 balls with one hand behind my back and then the next hand. And it, like he was big in making everything a competition, but he was always honest with me. And that's, that's what I always appreciated about him. And that's what I always tried to like kind of take as I, as I moved on. You, I played like garbage case. He told me I played like, garbage. right. Exactly. He didn't say good job. when you not, Exactly. But not attacking. Yeah. This is what I see. This is what you do wrong. If you want to play at the next level, this is what has to happen. Did you right. get, did, did you ever feel defensive from that? No, no. I, I always believed in myself because of it. And I think it's what helped me stay in the big leagues and get to the big leagues because I, I, I say this till it blew in the face. My first road trip on the bus from Eugene, Oregon, get drafted by the Braves, get shipped out to Eugene, Oregon. We're going to Boise, Idaho. That's 17 hours. Oh. Of bus, right? 
So you get to know your teammates pretty damn. Yeah, you get you, you you got you got the guys with the rafts in the middle of the thing. You jump. <laughs> I, I know when we were coming up and I, you know in a ball, you drop a bomb on the bus. It's a fifty dollar fine. You can't even drop. You got to wait till you get the Taco Bell with the ten dollar. You got the ten dollar meal. I'm like, let's get the six tacos and Taco Bell. Exactly. Drop a bomb in there because if you drop a bomb on the bus with a seventeen hour ride, fifty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> First time I ever heard Tim McGraw. I didn't even. I never heard country music in my life. <laughs> now, now I live in the South. But getting to know my teammates on that first bus ride, I realized that seventeen to eighteen of them were just were just there because they got picked, mm-hmm. or just given a chance. They didn't truly believe in their hearts. They were playing in the big leagues, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Whoa, okay." I wouldn't be here if I didn't think I was going. Now, maybe I was naive to that point. Maybe I wasn't good enough. But my dad had built this like inner toughness to me and this inner confidence that I felt like and I wouldn't I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be on this shitty bus for 17 hours. If I'm not going to show. Right. I'm going at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and that was always my mindset like just get a little bit better just get a little bit better than last year just get a little bit and i just kept Bro, fighting well you know what i love about that Dero? i i'm a big believer in, in, in belief you yeah. our our behaviors are what we believe if your dad tells you growing up hey man like my dad used to say like to me why not you son and i'm like because yeah. i'm fat i'm slow he's like why not you you rake yeah. you go left center you go right center i'm like i started believing that yeah he's right and guess what Belief creates behavior. All of a sudden, oh yeah, I'm playing the big leagues. All of a sudden, at 15, I'm hitting every day after school. I'm starting to believe. So I understand what you're saying. Like, no, you're not taking a 17-hour bus ride if you don't believe you're going to the show. Where did that belief start? It started as a kid, mm-hmm. as from, a kid. A guy, from a guy believing in you, a guy that showed up every day for you, gave you the belief, and then the behaviors followed. My, my older brother always says, all the mistakes they made with him, they, uh, they rectified with me. That's so right? funny, man. My brother is six years older than me and the exact same statement. The, like, it is two a T. <laughs> you know, they messed up the first I remember my ones. parents. No, you're right, Chance. I remember my parents in the eighth grade. I was in the eighth grade. They sat me down. They're like, we want you to go. We don't want you to go to, to town public high school. Mm-hmm. We want you to go to private high school. We're willing to make the financial sacrifice. It's 45 minutes away. We think you're capable. I was a good student. I wasn't great. I get, you know, I can memorize good memorization. And this, and my dad's like, I want to see where you stack up against this, you know, Bergen County's best athletes. So that was like my first time of being put in an uncomfortable position. And then going to University of Pennsylvania, uncomfortable in the classroom, bro. I, no, <laughs> I had no business being in yes. those classes. Dude, tell us about tell us about your first exam at UPenn, right? Wasn't there was something interesting going? What happened there? So wait, so like I was always big on I can memorize the shit out of anything, right. you know? <laughs> but if the teacher tweaked the question, I was like, dead. Oh shit. Dad, I didn't really know what was going on. I just memorized it. Oh my god! So our first, I get, I get, well, take you back to like why I went to Penn real quick. So I, my dad wanted me to play baseball. I was going to go to Rutgers on a football scholarship. 
and not not play baseball. Just just be done. Wow. Wow. And, and like, he, I, he said, no way. Like he, he, he was said, just like, I want you to keep playing. And he, I, you know, what's amazing. He was right. Like, it's so funny I, to hear this story. Yeah. He's like, I just, I want you to keep playing. I truly do. I think, I think you're good at the game. I think you're raw. I think you're athletic. Like, I, I just want you to keep playing. I don't think football is going to be the be all end all, even though it'd be cute in college. He goes, what are you going to do? Go to Rutgers, go down, play Miami, have Ray Lewis rip your face <laughs> for four years yeah. and then see what happens. Like, it just doesn't make sense. But I always felt like coming from a small town, I wanted a full ride because I didn't want my parents to right. have to pay. So when the Ivy League schools kind of came in, I didn't think I was a good enough student. So when they started coming in, my parents were like, whoa, okay. So then when Penn came in and they offered, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have a spot for your son in the Wharton School of Business. I didn't even know what that meant. Right. So they left and my dad turned to me. He goes, guess where you're going? <laughs> you know? I was like, my dad did the same thing to me. <laughs> going to an Ivy League school. We'll, we'll remortgage everything. And that's again, again, my parents stepping up. Mm-hmm. Remortgage the house. Mm-hmm. Remortgage. Wow. Dude. Because no, there's no scholarships well, to Ivy League. No. Right? Is there no scholarships? And that's don't forget, you- you're going You're going from, I'm sure you did this, like free college for somebody mm-hmm. who comes from a family. That, right. that, my family was very similar. Like free college or here's you paying my bills for the next 25 years until I can start paying you back. Right. Yeah. That's what happens. And that's the sacrifice parents make send their kids to the Ivy sometimes. No. And I, and that kind of the bottom, my dad was like, listen, you're getting an opportunity here. If the whole sports thing doesn't work out, you're around the smartest people in the world with your personality, the networking, you're going to be fine. And, and that's kind of the way I approached it. And I never wanted to disrespect my, my, my family by not going to class and not doing all those things. So I was like, they're paying the freight. I'm going. So econ economics 101. Change your laugh about this. So I go to the class. I'm like, all right, well, you know, supply demand. You know, here we go. <laughs> How hard could it be? Well, first off, the, the textbook. I'm looking at the textbook in the first class and I look up at the board and a guy writes his name on the board, Professor Mansfield. And I look down, it's like mm. author, Professor Edward yep. Mansfield. I'm like, this guy wrote this thing. <laughs> now we got so problems, right? <laughs> <laughs> so the first exam at the University of Pennsylvania, every freshman lives in the quad. All the freshmen are stacked together. And like case, they get jacked for exams like we got jacked to play. So, like, the quad's buzzing. We got our first exam coming up, and people are jumping around and study groups here and there. And I'm like, what? Like, I just got to stay eligible. I just got to get through it. <laughs> so, take the exam. I think I do fine. We'll come back then, uh, you know, a day or two later and the guy, everything was graded on a curve and every, every, he starts writing on the board, like whoever got, you know, a 40 through a 50 got an A, whoever got, you know, bing, bang, boom. And he goes, and somebody got a seven. And my buddy who played football with me looked at me, he goes, it's you. I'm like, no, it's not. What makes you think it's me? And he's like, I just, you didn't, you didn't study. I'm like, yeah, I did. I put the time in. So 
I get the test back, the blue books. You remember <laughs> yeah, those? Oh, my things? God. Oh, yeah. yeah. I open it. First question, seven out of seven. I'm like, well, it can't be me. And then it was just a stack of zero. <laughs> so, so check this. So now I'm in a full-blown panic. I go to football practice, and I'm like, you know, I call home, and I'm like, Dad, I just got a seven. I'm like, I never – I didn't have to lie to my old man. He was such a guy's guy. Like, he was like – Go to office hours and figure it out. You're not coming. You got to yeah. figure it out. Like, you got to fight to stay in there and make this all work. And I went to office hours and I, I, you know, he turned around and I told him my situation. I said, hey, I'm in a Warren school. I'm doing football. I'm doing baseball. I'm trying to make it all work. I think this class, he's like, listen, if you show up every day and sit in the first row and give a shit, I won't fail you. Yeah. And that's what it did. And that's how I just kept building on top of that's what I did in every class. Yeah. I showed up. I made the teacher know who I was because I knew I knew academically. I just didn't have the time. Right. To, to balance it with all the other stuff you were doing. And if it was served, I was dead. I would look around the class and go, they would be like, well, five people in here got to fail. I'm like, well, he looks dumber than me. I'm like eight. I'm going to be eight. So, dude, so like, so you had, you had academics, which obviously were hard as hell. You had football. You had baseball. And were you also a Sigma Chi? You were also in a fraternity? Like how? No, I mean that was like, that just was that more of like a baseball thing? Was that like a football? No, baseball? you know what that is? That was a social life thing at the University of, of, of yeah. Pennsylvania. It was like big. It's a big Greek school. I, don't, I honestly don't know if it still is to this day that big, but so that, it was Richmond, dude. I was in a fraternity too. I was in Sig App. It was almost like if you yeah, weren't yeah. in a fraternity at that time, that was the that was the social life. You know yeah. what I mean? So you yeah. almost, you almost had to be. And I, I felt like there were there, there were days, case there were days where I would go to class, I would come in at seven a.m. into the football office, I would watch watch video with the quarterbacks coach, then I would go to class until about one, then I would go to the baseball field, play a midweek game. Uh, oh, you know, you do worst. like three o'clock midweek yes. game oh against Villanova or Saint Joe, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Then I'd shower grab something to eat, put my pads on and have football practice at seven thirty. So you were wow. you were doing both in the off seasons? You know almost never hear that. So you- they didn't want to run they when when finally we were allowed to do like uh fall practice or whatever the case may be or spring practice, vice versa. The football coaches always felt, and rightfully so, they were that they were the reason I was there. Uh, they were the reason. So they, they're like, we're not going to run practice if the quarterback's not here. So they built kind of spring, uh, fall practice around the baseball schedule, so wow. I could be there. Dude, so D. Rowe, you obviously dominated in football, right? I mean, I don't think you lost the game. Did you not? You not lose a game at Penn, right? Oh no, we lost my my junior year. We lost. We went seven and three. That was the wake up call for me. I this is crazy, but high school Bergen Catholic and their power now. I mean, yeah. unbelievable. I don't. I think I got touched once my senior year. <laughs> <Touch>. <laughs> 
And at Penn, we went undefeated. I redshirted as a freshman, and, and we went undefeated that year. I watched them go 10 and 0. And then I took over as a, as a redshirt freshman, and we went nine and we went undefeated again. And then uh, soft, redshirt sophomore year, we went seven and three. And then I, then I signed. Who I remember a story is coming back to me. Was it Demarcus Ware cleaned your clock? Cause somebody cleaned your clock, like Marce- Marcellus Wiley. Marce- Marce- yeah. The hardest I've ever been hit. Columbia, tell, us about, tell us about that story at Columbia, bro. At Columbia, change. Oh my god. Yeah, I tell mean story. that's crazy. He's a beast, case. My Wiley. Yeah, I just wasn't used to getting hit. Like so, I stuck. I stayed in the pocket. I wasn't a runner. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I'm not taking off like watching Kyler Murray last night. Like, I didn't, that wasn't my game. I, I'm like in there to the bitter end. <laughs> car, car wreck happening in front of you. And I'm like, I'm hanging, I'm hanging, I'm hanging. Because I in high school, I was just, we were so good that I just, no one's going to touch me. And then in college, I'm like, all right, we're still so good. I'm getting hit a little bit. And then my junior year, kind of like, all right, I'm starting to get hit a lot more than I should. <laughs> But yeah, he came off the end. He was a two two way star at Columbia, and he destroyed me. Case to the point where I had to call timeout. I literally thought he he hit me, and I thought he shattered my nose. Like his hand went through, and um, <laughs> I thought he broke my nose, and I was bleeding. I thought I was bleeding, and my center goes, "What's wrong?" And I go. Of my nose broke and I went and it literally just looked like bottled water <laughs> was coming out of my nose. He's like, dude, I think that's like brain fluid. Oh and my I'm gosh. Like, <laughs> oh, <"Time> out. <laughs> oh my God. I need a timeout real quick. Oh my I mean, God. I need a timeout. He, yeah, that was the hardest I ever been hit in my life. Oh my god. That was gosh. a good that was oh a good so there, was a, couple, so, there so, was a couple that I remember. I had two concussions. There was a couple I remember that were like, oof. But you know what else but is funny? I loved, I loved it. And I and I say this, Case, it helped me in baseball, man. Because mm. I wasn't I wasn't you. I didn't rake. I, I had to fight. Well, you're like, such a better athlete, though. You were way better than I was. Yeah, I was versatile, but it, that kept me. That kept me around. But I just kept. I just kept telling myself, just keep fighting, keep fighting. So let's talk about that. So now, now it's time to fight, right? Your, your football career. You've had a great career. You, you've done your thing at Penn. You've you've gotten through the Warden Business School. You're 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 rolling. Now you're drafted by the Braves, and yeah. it turns out your dad was right. Baseball is your future. It's not football. It's baseball. Talk, can you take us through that a little bit? Like, okay, now I'm in pro ball with the Braves, and this is going to be what I'm going to do for a living, and I got a shot to play in the show. Case, the, you know my eye-opening that. experience was seeing you. Really? Remember, I, 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 I dated a girl in high school who, who her parents had a place in Martha's oh, yeah. Vineyard. Oh, yeah, in the Cape. That's and right. I, we can't, they came over and they said, do you want to see a Cape Cod baseball game? We know you play it at, at Penn and you were playing for Brewster. That's right. And I sat there and watched and I'm like, man, I'd love to, I'd love to be able to play here. So after my sophomore year in college, that's what changed the landscape for me was going to Cape Cod. I got invited to go to Cape Cod. Troy Gloss was going to be the third baseman. Wow. John McDonald was the shortstop. Johnny Mac, the one of the best, one of the one of the best gloves ever. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> on a side note, 
Roberto Alomar, when he went in the Hall of Fame, said the best shortstop he played with, with, he played with Vizquel was Johnny Mack. Johnny Mack, man. Still talk to him to this day. Yeah. So I was like so jacked just to back those guys up. Yeah. Be it Cape. Well, Troy Gloss leaves for Team USA, and I start oh. at third, and I do well. You, well, you become an all-star. I won, Yeah, I made it to all-star team. Big, big deal. And I remember getting in my black, <laughs> my dad's black Honda Accord. It was a <laughs> six-hour ride back to Jersey. And as I pulled pulled out of Bourne, uh, Massachusetts, and I was driving home, I'm like, all right, if that's the best, supposedly right. the best college players in the country, then I'm good. Let's, I'm, that, wow. that, changed my mind, that changed my mindset a lot. Bro, that's so funny. I mean, I have a, a similar story with that. Same wow. thing. I went to Brewster. I remember guys asking me, hey, bro, is it, where's Richmond? You D3? I'm like, dude, what are the spiders? We're, we're spinning webs nationwide. We're D1. We're freaking, we're, we're, we're launching. I'll launch, I'll launch them out to Fresno State, out to Texas. Here we go. Let's get it on. You know, but it was, but it was funny because that summer for me too, bro, like, I didn't know how I stacked up, you know? I mean, and then all of a sudden, you know, you end up being an all-star at the Cape. And like you said, Dero, it's a change your mindset for when you go yeah. into your junior year baseball season. And, you know, it's it's amazing you have that same story because when you're an all-star like you were in the Cape, you say, if these are the best of the best in college, let's get it on. Yeah, that's let's so go. cool, man. Yeah, let's no, go. I was going to say, it's so funny on my end. It's like, oh, I didn't get invited to the Cape. I better start studying a little more. <laughs> <laughs> the Cape was literally, you want to be a pro baseball player, you, you stack up against these guys. And if you can, you and do it, right? I got lucky though. How's that? There was a big booster from Penn that lived up at the Cape that loved going to games. Wow. He wanted a University of Pennsylvania player to come up there. Wow. And I, stuff happened, right? It changed your life forever. Forever. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Mr. Breyer. Thank you, Mr. Breyer. We Thank really appreciate you. that. <laughs> D-Row would not be on this show. And he wouldn't be in the mayor's office if Mr. Breyer did not believe in you. He's sitting in my basement with me right now. Yeah, exactly. That's the bottom line. So tell, so take us through, bro. You, you believe in yourself. Obviously, you go back to Penn. You have a great year. And then next thing you know, you're with the Braves, one of the best organizations at the yeah. time that you're drafted into. Yeah. What was that, what was that like coming up with the Braves? Uh, Another great, great guy that the scout who drafted me was Dayton Moore, who's now the GM. Oh, no way. Wow. Falls, and like we built such a great relationship. And another guy who you can tell by the way those guys play for the for Kansas City, they believe in him. He's honest. He's he's a, he's a good man. He's the best man I've ever met in baseball. And yeah. from the day he, you know, he drafted me and came into my house and signed me. I've kept a great relationship with him. And he just, he just told me, keep fighting. And that, that's what I, I did. I felt like case, I felt like once I put football away and could concentrate solely on one thing that I was going to get a lot better, a lot quicker. Right. I didn't know what it was going to look like, where I was going to play, but you know, I mean, when when it's all day, every day, when you're willing to take ground balls until you actually vomit on the field, I mean, repetition is the mo- repetition is the mother of skill. You're forced to get better, especially with you. I always find guys that are the best athletes that are like going 50 50 on a sport. Your athleticism, you get Mark DeRosa to go, hey, bro, you're 100 percent in the baseball. I'm sure you got exponentially better 
you know, that first year in the minors, second year in the minors, <clears throat> facing good pitching. You yeah, know. just being around it. I mean, went to Eugene. I didn't do anything special. I never did anything special offensively until I'm, I went to Texas and met Rudy Jaramillo in, in 05. But, I mean, I just kept fighting Eugene, went to Instructional League, then skipped over uh, – low a ball and and you know i was a college guy so i was 21 years old so maybe uh, you know the push is on a little bit quicker went to durham in 1997 played well played well and uh made the all-star team and then got and then and then went to instructional league and had a really good instructional league and got invited to big league camp because one of the coaches there jeff cox Jeff Cox, he's the best. I was with Cox, the Pirates. What a great guy. Remember him? He, I guess, guess was like, he, he kind of fought to, hey, Bobby, you should take a look at this kid. And, and I went to Big League Camp when probably a year before I probably should have. And I was only there for like, you know, two, three weeks before they dust you. But it was good to be around those guys. Dude, so you get up to the Big Leagues. You take us through, like, we like to do first here in the mayor's office. How about that first knock? Take us <laughs> how, about, how about first AB, Randy Johnson? <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, bro. Welcome to the show. First brother. AB Welcome of your career, show. Randy Johnson. Wearing a helmet that I don't even know who it was. <laughs> I had a Tony Graffinino Glomar bat. <laughs> oh, my God. Glomar. There's like two guys use Glomar. Graffinino and somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> and I was shaking in my boots. Oh. No, I, I got called up when I didn't expect to get called up. I really didn't. I was in double A in 98. You know how, how it rolls. Like right when September hits, they usually call up the 40 man guys. Right. Well, I wasn't on the 40 man because I didn't have to be yet. So I watched Bruce Chen, Odalis Perez, George Lombard at the time. Wes Helms, they all got called up to the big league. So I just remember being so happy for them and being like, oh, Ron Wright, Ron Wright. Boom. These guys are going to the show. Like, this is awesome. Hopefully next year. And then the next day I got called up because guys were injured, banged up, Walt Weiss. Yeah. And I, I, I just remember Sunday night baseball. I'm sitting there watching Maddox. Against you, real, 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 real quick, what was the call like to your dad? You know what he said, Case. I was in a double wide in Zebulon, North Carolina, <laughs> right, playing the Mudcats. Yeah, I called him. My mom answered. I said, "Where's dad?" She goes, "What?" I'm like, "Get him!" <laughs> <laughs> this is no lie. I go, "I'm, go- I'm going up." And he thought I was going to AAA. I said, no, I'm going to the big leagues. He goes, you're not ready. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> Are you serious? Dead He's serious. being honest. He's being Dead honest. That's amazing. I, said, I, I don't think I'm ready either, but I'm going. Holy shit. So, and, and that that's kind of, he was so happy, but he he knew. And I knew. Right. Again, the honesty factor. I knew I was <laughs> nowhere near ready to play at that level. But I get called up. I'm sitting on a bench enjoying. Unit had been traded to Houston that year. Oh, when yes. unstoppable. That was like the most unstoppable Randy Johnson in his career. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday night baseball, and Bobby just comes down the bench and says, D-Row, you're, you're hitting for Maddox. 
you're going to pinch hit for Maddox next inning. I just add a body experience. Oh, my God. And not only that, again, you just said Maddox. Bobby Cox walks up to me. You're hitting for <laughs> Maddox. That team you were on, it, it's 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 all-time history. What was walking into that locker room the first time? Were you like, what do I what do? What helped now? me was big going to big league camp. Was mm, right, right. getting to know them a little bit on a personal level mm-hmm. and taking ground balls with Chipper every day and taking ground balls with Walt Weiss every gotcha. day. Like, good dudes. Bro, bro, I, 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 I have to. This is so funny you're saying this stuff because when I got my first big league at bat, remember uh, Johnny Grohl comes down. He's like, you're pinch hitting for Dave Justin. He gets on. They're winning 9 nothing. I'm, I'm 58. I've had 58 bags of Davy sunflower seeds. My rip, my mouse ripped up, <laughs> shit in my pants. Richie Sex is next to me. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm up, I'm up. Well, I realized, bro, my stuff never came from Buffalo. So I got no helmet. I got no bat. I got no gloves. Like, just like you. And I'm like, I remember going up to, I'm, I'm going through the rack and I'm like, I never, I never had the one flap helmet. I got the two flap minor league helmet. You know what I mean? So I go through the helmets. Boom, Tony Fernandez, God rest his soul, has a seven and a quarter. I, I don't even know Tony Fernandez. I don't know anybody. I turn him like, Tony, any chance I can wear your helmet? Boom, it's his helmet. Pull out, I need a T141. I pulled out. Manny Ramirez, like, Manny, any chance to use your bat? No problem. You know, <laughs> and I use Jeff Manto's batting gloves. So, dude, take us That's through, it. like, when you're asked, to, you know, to hit for Maddox, I know the story. Like, it's panic mode. Take us through panic that mode. of the not panic. having the equipment. But panic mode in a good way, Case, because it's like everyone expects you to punch out. Mm-hmm. So it's, it really was almost like I walked up there like all my buddies are watching this. All my buddies are watching me hit against the unit. And I just remember being in the box wondering if the world <laughs> could see my legs shaking. Like they, <laughs> so they, 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 were, they were trembling. Like I uncontrollably, and I was like, "Whatever he throws, you're ha- you're hacking. You're not taking. Well, it doesn't matter where it is." And he threw me a middle cut heater, and I fouled it straight back. Oh my god! I was like, I stepped out, and I was like, "Am I on the unit?" And then he blew the doors off. Hey, struck me out with a slider in the dirt, like on a on a oh two count, one two count. And all I remember, Case, is running to first base, and I'm running to first base, and I go, "Holy shit, Jeff Bagwell!" It's <laughs> bagpipes at first, and then I got back to the dugout. I'm like, "What? What just happened?" Oh my god! And then I was like, "You better wake up because, like, you actually gotta like help." <laughs> <laughs> Like you ain't just this isn't, a hey, fan they pulled out of this yeah. thing. This is a fantasy yeah, camp, yeah. bro. You can't not, just pay two yeah. grand, come down here and get the spread yeah. and you know, hey, this is well, no, it's it's Billy, you actually have to get some knocks. <laughs> You're on the braids. It's not like you Billy Crystal in spring training. Well, unreal. Shit. God, dude, that is unreal. First knock was like a couple couple days later, bank one ballpark, Arizona, Vladimir Nunez, my my patented fillet of fish over to second baseman's head thank you very much it's called a thank knock and much. it's in the what what did you when you got that first knock d what, what when you got the first what what was going through your head just i can't believe it like you know i'd say that that moment and then the world series moment even though i didn't get a chance to really be a part of it out on the field you just reflect i think for me it's reflection on how hard it is to get here, 
the road traveled, who was always in your corner, who doubted you, uh, you know, all that stuff. And I just remember Jay Bell, I got to second on like a pass ball or another hit and Jay Bell come up, came up to me and he was playing second. And he was just like, Hey, congratulations, man. You'll, no one could ever take it away from you. Wow. And I'm like, Jay Bell. <laughs> you shit me. I love Jay Bell. I love the game. Like, yeah. I love the game because it was an extension of my dad and how much he loved it. So, you know, still to this day, that's that's why I love doing what I do. I, I love the guys. I love the game. I love passion for it. Yeah. God, dude, I, I love it. I just love hearing you talk, man. Talk <laughs> about a guy. Talk about a guy that loved the game. And a lot of guys in that team did. But Chipper Jones, I feel like you and him kind of clicked. And I know why, because you 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 make anybody, if someone tries to big league, you get Mark the Roses in the house, like, man, we ain't doing that. I don't care how good of a player you are. You ain't big league. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm sure. And a guy like Chipper, oh, I like this guy. I like this guy. You know what I mean? So <laughs> And Chipper don't like many dudes. No, I know. <laughs> I know he doesn't. I know he doesn't. Can you talk about your relationship with him, what he taught you about the game, and what impressed you so much about how he went about his business? God, honestly, Case, if if I put on one hand the guys that impacted my career the most, he'd be on it. He he, uh, What he had to deal with on a daily basis and how he showed up every day, and and like you talked about it, the greats have a routine that they go through at like, you know, and I talked to a lot of guys, Jeter, bang, 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 Ichiro, boom, boom, boom. Chipper was the same way. He was the first guy in the clubhouse. He wasn't a huge worker. So like that was the thing, like he would tell me, he would always say, D-Row, like I know what works for me. Don't follow necessarily me. Just come into the video room with me. Like if you think you're going to, he would show up and we would go into the video room and he would iron out a game plan and I would just sit and watch him like a puppy dog. He would go through the guy's last three starts against left hand say he was say it was a righty he'd go through his last three starts he'd go through every at bat he ever had against a guy he'd go through every at bat of a player that he thought potentially that pitcher looked at him like he went through what his go-to pitches were he was doing all the analytics but i mean before so when he went to the plate he had such a game plan that you could he would come back I can remember multiple times. He's like, all right, now I got him set up for this. <laughs> I got this. That's so uh, next level. He, and we just drive in spring training and he knew I loved the game. He knew I had a lot of, I had a lot of respect for the guys. I wasn't, I always, I always say this. I think jealous, jealousy is the root of all evil. I was, ne- I never wanted to change places with that. Like Chipper couldn't leave the hotel. I am like, right, yeah, right, I want right. to be Chipper Jones from seven to ten, but I don't <laughs> yeah. have to be him the rest of the time. Yeah, yeah, it's like playing with with Ken Griffey Jr. Like those guys are prisoners of their own fame. You know, right. we walk exactly. out. It's like it's like we called them the Green Flies. You know, you come out of the hotel, and bam, there's freaking two thousand Green Flies. Like, get your autograph, get your autograph, and I'm sneaking to the corner to go get lunch. Like, hey, Griff, yeah. we'll see you later, bro. <laughs> you know? You're you're 100 right. I could think back to to times like he. My locker was next to him. So after every game, it was, 
and watching him try and be a professional when he didn't want to be a professional and watching how he handled team meetings and 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 he always wanted to be the best player on the field he wanted everyone in that stadium to leave and knowing he was the best player on the field i had a lot of respect for that but like things for me we built such a a, a friendship because I mean, like you said, he's a, a prisoner of his own fame and he, he didn't leave his hotel room much on the road. And he'd call me and be like, hey, come up and we we talk about the game. We'd play like Tiger Woods on PlayStation or order some food and and just kind of talk about, you know, different things. And then I just remember being in Cincinnati and it was early in my career. I was kind of getting called up and down like, you know, conveyor belt and uh he called me around noon and he goes, what are you doing? And I thought he was just going to ask me to lunch. He's like, come on, let's go to yard. You need to learn how to hit. <laughs> and like, like, yeah, he, he was honest with me. He came up to me after like playing against me years later when I signed with the Cubs and he goes, dude, I always love, I loved you. I never thought you were going to turn into this player. Right. Another honest. And I didn't look at it like, Oh, you didn't, you didn't yeah, like, yeah. right. He was more giving me a compliment, but dude, I want to talk about that. Cause bro, when you got, when you got to Texas, yeah, I know that, you know, you talked about him earlier. Ru- Rudy Jaramillo was such a huge influence in you. And so was Michael Young. Cause yeah. when I, when I saw you in text, I'm like, was D Rowe like trying to imitate Michael Young? Like, look, yeah. you got your swings were, you know, toe tap, <laughs> yeah. get the foot down early, double tap. You know, I'm like, this guy looks like Michael Young, and he's starting to hit like Michael Young. Like, let's not sleep on this really quick, bro. I know we, you, know, you joke around sometimes. Hey, I was a utility guy. No, no, stop it. Because when you came up in 05 and started with Jaramillo, then in 2006, 296, 40 doubles, 13 bombs, 74 ribbies. You know, then you go to the Cubs and you have the 20, you know, 28 doubles, 72, it's almost 300 again, 21 bombs in 2008, 2009, 23 bombs. Like it was happening. Like it was starting to happen. You were an everyday player. Like Chipper Jones saying, oh man, you know, you, you know, I didn't know you're going to be this guy. That guy was in there. And like, I think with the Braves, maybe it just didn't come out, but you got with a guy that helps you. Talk about that, man. Going to Texas. What happened to Mark DeRosa where all of a sudden his numbers start showing up for the next five, six years saying, hey, this guy's an everyday player, guys. He wasn't a utility guy. What came out? Well, here, here again, like, you know, my dad's inner confidence. I would watch Michael Young, and this is no offense to Michael Young because he is like one of the best players I ever played with. I'm yeah. like, I don't get why he's him and I can't figure it out. <laughs> And it was a good comp, though, right? You guys are similar in size, similar in shape, right? Kind of in a way. I didn't. Yeah, I, I, I was like, I should be able to do sixty percent of what right. he's doing. Like, why can't I figure it out? And everything that Chipper used to always say to me about executing a game plan, I could never do. I just athleted myself. I was just an athlete. I just kept saying, like, fight, kill, kill. Compete, 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 compete. Compete. I didn't know what I was doing from an offensive standpoint. And Rudy Jaramillo kind of pulled me aside and was like, listen, I've looked at your video. Are you happy with your career up until this point? And I was like, no, absolutely not. He goes, are you willing to like risk it all to change everything. Wow. 
And I was like, yeah, but, <laughs> but you got to go tell Buck. Cause if I'm going to hit a dollar 10 in spring training, I don't want to get released. Yeah. I have a family. A I have a young kid. You that know, I, I want to make sure that I'm doing this for the right reasons yeah. and I'm not going to be on the street. Right. Yeah. That's a scare. That's a scary proposition. Right. Because I had to do it to- because, because I was dying. I was going to die anyway. Right. You so what, only, what, You only will yourself. So what did he I change, never, bro? I never loaded case. I never loaded. I never knew what a load was. I used to just go from here and then, Oh, right. 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 I right. Went right. Back. I never went back. I just like, you're not getting there. Bam, I'm coming. <laughs> right. Well, that only works. That only works in high school and college, and then you get in a show, and dudes are just chainsawing you left <laughs> so, and right. But, uh, so, how many reps did it take? Was it just was it spring training in 05? Oh. Was it 06? What 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 what? No, when, so did you, I when did you yeah. say I got it? When did you say I got it? I got this. One swing against Barry Zito in 2005, and I was it was like. Towards the end of the season, I was starting to play a little bit more. I just, we, we started working on, he wanted me to understand what it felt like to load. Whether it's a leg kick, a toe tap, a rock bat, something to get you in a powerful position to deliver a blow to the baseball. You don't do any of that, Mark. Look at your video. Look at Michael Young's. Look at your video. Look at Michael Young's. And I tried the leg kick and I couldn't really time it up. And then I started doing the toe tap and it started to really, I I mean, I hit case. I hit probably. Oh, 90 that spring. Are you serious? Oh, Oh, I didn't. John Hart, who, who works with and Buck Showalter, they call me into the office the last day. And they were like, listen, we're going to take you with us as the last roster spot. We're going to take you with us, but you you need to like figure this out soon. But the thing was in the American League like as a utility player it was Mark Teixeira, Alfonso Soriano, Michael Young and Hank Blaylock. Where where am I grabbing ABs? Right. Nowhere. So so it was a perfect storm that whole first half for me to sit in a cage with Rudy and just keep working, keep working, keep working. And then his second half, I just remember Barry Zito. He was with Oakland at the time. We were playing a game in Texas and I got like in a, in account leverage and he threw me a heater middle cut. And I, I caught every last stitch of it. Like I'd never done in my entire life. And I just remember hitting first base and I'm like, let's go. Right. Chip, everything Chipper Jones said to me made sense. I felt like I was in a powerful, but I was like, all right, now we know how to hit a little bit. Let's, let's start playing baseball. Wow. Great so you story. get it going in 06, you get, you, you get traded, you get, you get traded to the Cubs. No, you're signed as a free agent with the Cubs. Yeah. Yeah. Signed as a free agent with the Cubs. Tell tell me for me, bro. I, I played so many years with the Reds and then the Pirates you know, against the Cubs at Wrigley. It was, you know, we loved it. We loved coming to Wrigley, yeah. but I always wondered what would it be like to be a hometown player awesome. in Chicago? What was that like, man? It was awesome. Having that be your home. I remember talking to Derek Lee uh, after I signed, and he was like, listen, you're going you're gonna to fall in love with this place, and you're going to realize that like, you don't have to take a 1,000 swings a day to have a good year. Because if you remember, the cage was under right field. Yes, <laughs> Crazy. And, and and day games, dude, you can't be taking BP every single day or you're going to burn out. What are you going to get up at 730 every morning? 
Yeah. You know how hard those Sunday day games are. So hard. You so want to show and go. You want to get a few flips in the cage. But th- there was that battle mentally. But what I loved about it was I felt like every morning I drove to the yard, I was getting ready for a college football game because the city was buzzing. Wrigleyville was buzzing. I just I love the fact of being home at five o'clock. I felt like I had like a nine to five job where I could go to dinner, spend time with my wife and kids and like actually be a human instead of, you know, seven o'clock game. From from probably about one o'clock in the afternoon, you're checked out. Right, right. <laughs> so your wife, your wife's talking to you about, hey, we gotta we gotta drop the car off to get serviced, and you're like, I'm facing Roy Osborne tonight. Like that's my only concern. Like that, so, I always feel like the day game allowed you to come home at five o'clock and actually be a part of your family yeah separate yourself a little bit awesome this chicago in the summer is the best place in the world i mean that's the best all all three three weeks of it (laughs) yeah and we were good yeah you guys were you guys were loaded loaded and we had had lou yeah yeah. what was that like playing for lou he was tough was he Again, another brutally honest man in my life. Yes, like a father <laughs> figure anyway, for you. Mark the Rose is amazing. Life. He only wants brutally honest <laughs> yes. men. Yes. Hard, brutally honest Hard, men. strong, honest men are what made Mark the Rose what he <laughs> Lou, is today. Lou, Lou ate you for lunch if you didn't have, have a backbone. He wanted some pushback. It took me a minute to figure that out, but I enjoyed playing for him once. once. Did you ever have an incident with Lou? Oh, yeah. Or- Tell me early, early, what happened early in my career? Because I was, you know, coming off those years in Texas, I had fought so hard to play every day, and I finally felt like I was Lou Pinella. We're talking about Lou Pinella too, Lou Pinella, (laughs) an everyday guy. And uh, we opened in Cincinnati, the orangutan on the mound. Oh yeah, harangue, harangue, Aaron harangue, and I have a good opening day, and then we have a day off, and then. We're facing Bronson Arroyo. And I'm in the lineup opening day, go two for four, have the day off, come back. And I'm I'm like to the point now where coming up through Bobby Cox in Texas, and it's like, I don't want to look at the, I don't want to look at the lineup. My assumption is you're paying me a lot of money now. I'm the starting second baseman. I'm playing every day. You know, that's all I know. Chipper went out there every day. Mikey Young went out there every day. Well, what? Like these guys played every day. And that's what I always wanted. And I'm not in the lineup. Second game of the season. (laughs) So I go out again. I go out on the bench in Cincinnati. I call my dad. I'm like, hey, help me out. Little advice. What should I do right here? He goes, go get him. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) So. I went, I went into his office, and, not, and this is why Lou, Lou is amazing. And he turned around. He goes, what, you know, what do you want? What could you possibly want second game of the season? I said, I want to play every day, right? I waited my whole life for this. He goes, I told you coming out of spring training. We're, I said, I'm, dif- I, I'm different. That, 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 work, that, that nonsense is – I've taken it in the shorts for eight years. Right, right. Up and down. I did every road trip in spring training, ten times over. I've waited for this. <laughs> it's my time. Yes. It's my time now. <laughs> and he goes, "You want in the lineup that bad?" I said, "Yeah." 
So he came out, announced to everybody what? That, I, that I wanted in the lineup. Oh. And then ripped the lineup card down. And what? Then, and then put me in the lineup. Oh, my God. <laughs> what did you do in that game? What did you do in that game? I went one for three, and I'll never forget this because I went one for three in that game with a ribby. And I don't remember who I got the hit off. And and I had some choice words, as a, you know, because I knew I needed to get a knock. So I, I got the hit up the middle, ribby knocking. I'm running around first, and I'm like, take that, you mark. You know, like. <laughs> yes. And Jeff Conine heard me. So when we got back to first, he looked right at me. I'll never, I love, you know, Case. Conine's a good dude. Yes, Conine's the best. He goes, take that MFR, really? I'm like, Jeff, that, it's not directed. You have to know the story. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, right. He started so laughing. laughing. <laughs> I'm going to tell the picture you said that. I'm like, no, no, I wasn't saying it to him. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That might have been one of the most high high stress baseball games you probably ever played. Yeah. Like yeah, were you worried about what the guys were looking at you or they probably got no, it. They got No, it, right? because because again, I will I I was those guys. Right, right. On, 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 I always felt honesty, like I work my ass off to, to play every day. I won't play. Right. And I'm I give us the best chance to win. Wow. So you get traded from the Cubs. And then you go to the Indians. Soul. Nice. Nice. What'd you say? One of the worst days of my life. Really? Why? New Year's why? Eve. Was that New Year's Eve? New why, Year's why, Eve. Why was that one of the worst days? I of your didn't life? deserve to be traded. I was a leader in that clubhouse. I played my ass off for that team. I wasn't the reason that we weren't getting over the hump. They felt like they needed to get more left-handed. To this day, Case, that one pissed me off to high heaven like when he called me jim henry who's a great dude signed me changed my life financially so i got a lot of love for him i was just like this is a whiff <laughs> right that was a whiff that hurt me i love playing it had nothing to do with cleveland no I was, chicago. I love chicago man my my i don't know it was it was awesome playing there the fans really took to me which i appreciated I just didn't think I was, I mean, the year I had, there was no reason. And then they went out and signed Milton Bradley and, and uh, a couple was, of, they want, he wanted to get a good me. sign. That was a good sign, right? How yeah. about yeah, let's just, char character check. Immediate they culture reached, change. Reached. I felt like they reached and, and I took the fall for a re for a reach and I didn't appreciate it. So, but. so that crushes you. I mean, you're leaving Chicago. I've been there before. I've had that. I know that feeling of feeling crushed. Like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. Now you're going to a new club. Obviously, Cleveland, one of you, Mark Shapiro, great, those guys. Great organization. Great organization. Yeah. Great people. So so you go to Cleveland, and you know, you're there half the year. They trade you to St. Louis. And, you know, I look down at your career, D-Row, and I go, man, this guy's played with some great players. Like, yeah. He's played with some of the greatest players of all time. So I, I have to ask you, you go to St. Louis. What was it like playing with Albert Pujols? Be, I mean, best hitter I ever played with in my life. And I caught him in 09 when he won the MVP. Oh, oh, right. Hey, every night, every night, three balls were hit on <laughs> absolute button. Oh, my God. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. He was awesome. It was the only place, too, I – 
I'd ever been where where not through through Albert's fault, everything revolved around five. Right. What times yeah. hitters? What times a hitters meeting? When five's ready. What times a bus leave? When five's ready. <laughs> what times we see? Wow. So like, I came over there again. Cincinnati. I, I had a lot of moments in that stadium. <laughs> I came over there. I was, I don't know how long I was there for. And we were in Cincinnati and David stormy weathers is on the mound. Base is best base drunk and Albert's up and we're losing by two or three. And I'm telling you right now, it wasn't a matter of if it was what pitch he was going granny. And he did it. He did it off the facade. We brought in Ryan Franklin, closed the game, go inside, you know, pops. I, I he was he was unbelievable. But even he, more than that, Chinch, like the rapport him and Yachty had back picking dudes, mm. like they ran the bases. I was like, yeah. is this, this guy invisible? I, I remember <laughs> I remember you telling me a story years ago where you were hitting early with him or you, you were you guys were working out together and he, you were like, how do you do this? Or how do you do that? And he explained it to you. And I remember you saying, well, that's why you're Albert Pujols. Cause I'm, I can't do that. I can't do that. <laughs> right. He was same that, thing with that Barry Bonds, same thing with Chipper Jones. You know, I love talking hitting because I always felt it was so hard for me to figure out how to be a somewhat effective hitter. Like case dude, I can't imagine like you were probably best hitter in your little league. You're probably best hitter in college best hitter in high school i was never the best hitter on any team i ever played really wow no really like, best athlete, though. you're best athlete i'm just saying you're but i came good. i came through in big moments my calling card d rose swing his horse shit right now but get him up from the big moment <laughs> yeah. Game over. yeah make sure his life yeah. is on a line and his manager hates him and he'll go deep next tuesday yeah <laughs> Like, yeah, I love it. <laughs> so great. So I always like. I, I loved. I loved talking, hitting. I loved being around it. I loved watching guys work on their craft. Like I remember being in San Francisco, and we traded for Carlos Beltran, oh, and uh, God, his locker was next to mine. And and I had played against Carlos in the minors, and to this day, I said he was the best minor league player I'd ever seen in my life. Like I was like with oh. Kansas City, right? With Kansas yeah. City. Yep. In Wilmington, I'm like, holy shit, this is what like a big league all-star looks like, right? But then Barry Bonds comes in, and he starts chatting us up, and we're talking, hitting, and I'm like, I'll be damned. I think, <laughs> I think the exact same thing at the plate, but just doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. It doesn't translate like that guy does. Yeah, that that guy does. <laughs> Dude, I want to stay right there with the Giants. So – you, the Cardinals, you end up hurting your wrist. Yeah, at the end of that yeah. year, right? And, I, and this would kind of come back to haunt you for for the yeah. till the end. But you go to you go to the Giants. They're obviously you know they sign you to a two year, twelve million dollar deal. They know what they're getting. They're getting a leader. They're getting a guy that's been there. They got a young team coming in. Can you talk about that? Two thousand ten, you win the whole thing. You got guys like Buster Posey in there, and I think this is when you got some maniacs too. It was like yeah. Brian Wilson? Was that yeah. was Burl on that team? Yep. Oh, oh my God! Boy. So can you take us with Paul that too? Oh, oh, yeah. oh my God! Oh, oh man, my. dude. So it couldn't be any more than uh, Bobby Cox and the, and Smoltz and those <laughs> guys are like. Now we got the maniacs. Can you talk about your time in San Fran and and just what that team was like in 2010? 
Yeah, I always loved going to San Francisco. I loved their uniforms. I loved that they were always every time I became a free agent or had a chance to uh, you know decide where I was going to go, they were always one of the first teams to call. So I always kind of had them like on the radar and uh, signed over there uh, for a two year deal on on Christmas Eve. Right around there, I was like, man, I'm really fired up. My dad always used to say, again, going back to my dad, follow the pitching, Mark. You want to win? Follow the pitching. And they had Lincecum, Matt Cain, Madison Bumgarner was a rookie. Jonathan Sanchez had thrown a no hitter. Oh, yeah. the, the bullpen was lights out. Brian Wilson, Sergio Romo, Javier Lopez, Jeremy Affel. I'm leaving people out, but like I can. Uh, so I knew they were going to give us a chance to win every single night. So when I went over there, yeah. What a group of just <laughs> misfits. <laughs> but, but you know, Case, those are the special teams, right? Our clubhouse was on lock. We had Edgar Renneria. From a Latin American perspective, you had Edgar, Juan Uribe. I didn't understand a word Juan Uribe said (laughs) for an entire year, but I understood everything he said. If that makes sense. (laughs) Like, we love that, dude. Edgar Edgar called a meeting in Chicago in Wrigley Field kind of three quarters of the way through that 2010 season and literally broke down in tears saying, I believe in this team. I believe in these guys. You know, it doesn't look great on paper, but collectively we seem to find a way to win. Um, This is going to be my last season potentially. Can you give give me your heart for six weeks, eight weeks? He ends up winning that. Yeah, well, dominant. Yeah, wait. Can you stick? It, it kind of all came together, man. Can you stick with that meaning thing? Because you uh, you told the story in front of some of us once. I hope this is public, but where Buster, as a kid, came up to you and was said, "Is it okay if I speak in a meeting?" Yeah. Is that true. I mean, so you got both ends Buster, of the spectrum. I said, "Buster, get it, bro. You're batting third, catching every <laughs> yeah. game." Okay. Wow. I've been around Harper at nineteen. And yes. Posey, those are the two dudes. Like, but Posey was different. Posey came in, and from that catching position, he changed our whole lineup. He was like that one constant. This dude flat does not give away at bats. He's pure as the driven snow. The pitchers believe in him. He 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 was just he was perfect for that for that franchise. I actually just spoke to him recently when he retired. And just thank thank them for allowing me to be a small part of uh, his career and that that championship because he played such a huge part. It's in it. cool when you look back at your career and you see like I I, I was a in when I was in when I was in um, Detroit Verlander's rookie year and then you watch him he's gonna have a Hall of Fame career. Curtis Granderson's rookie year it goes on that you know it's kind of fun as a veteran guy to see those guys that you know okay these guys are Cooperstown bound you know what I mean like it's Harper was great because. He had such a different story than everybody, right? Yeah. 18 years old. And from the time he was 12, he was Sports the Illustrated. Thing. Again, a guy who at 12 years old was had to act differently than we he didn't get to have a normal childhood like like we did. Right. So I took a I took a real liking to him and I loved his story, man. And again, another MVP. Good dude's a yeah. stud. He he did. He again. 
when behind closed doors, that guy did everything. He carried beers. He sang on the bus. <laughs> he, he got dressed up and wore a singlet through Times Square. I mean, I got none. I got none but love for Mark. Well, well, dude, I think I think you know. Sometimes I, you know, I don't know how the game is now, but I know like I needed the veteran guys, the Barry Larkins, the Greg Vaughns, the Pete Harnishes. I needed those guys to help me become the bigger that I am. And I, you talk about Bryce being. 19 years old. Now he's just won his, you know, second MVP or yeah. whatever. One of the best players in the game. You told me a great story, bro. Of, you know, about kind of, you know, we all know as rookies, you know, kind of know your role. You talked about a recliner in the clubhouse there one time to me that I thought was great. Can you take us through that story about, about the, the what the recliner meant in that, in that, uh, in that clubhouse and Bryce Harper's well, involvement? <laughs> listen, I, I, obviously Bryce Harper is w- way different than me, but I just remember like going back to Atlanta Braves, I had had a couple cups of coffee and we had a team meeting. Tom Glavin called the team meeting in Montreal. And, you know, I was just kind of sitting in the corner and listening to everything, but no one was truly saying what needed to be said. Right. Like right. one thing that was really kind of, everyone's kind of hedging around it. And I just blurted it out as like a two, two plus player. <laughs> and I just remember the whole, Gary Sheffield actually grabbed me on the way out to VP and goes, if you ever open your mouth in a meeting before, you, oh, dude, <laughs> he goes, he goes, everything you said in that meeting was right, but you ain't fought enough battles to open your mouth. You keep your mouth shut. And I was like, I was like, yes, you know, like, you're a hundred percent right. Wow. So I always felt like if I ever got a chance to have a voice, Right. I was gonna, I was gonna have it. That's <laughs> so great. Another yeah. honest man in your life, Gary Sheffield. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, the best. I played with Chef T one on year. Now. It was so great. So great. Yeah, we had. Uh, there was like a. If you walk into Washington Nationals clubhouse, it's just you know your generic clubhouse, and then there's kind of like this circular area where they put the veterans. Right. And. In that area, there was like three or four recliners. And back then it was uh, Zimmerman and Jason Wirth and myself and Adam LaRoche and Kurt Suzuki and Mike, Mike Morse and I'm, I'm pro- Chad Tracy. I think I'm probably leaving somebody out. But uh, those recliners were, were ours, right? <laughs> you know, you got to have north of eight plus to come back there. <laughs> So I just remember one day coming in and there, there was Bryce just like posted up. He's posted up that recliner <laughs> laid back remote in hand. And I was just, I was just like, here, here it is. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you ain't ready to sit in these recliners. And he's like, you serious? And I'm like, yeah, dude, he was, he he know he knew this was happening for him. Right, like, right. Of course, yeah, everyone everyone yeah. knew it. Everyone There's knew. more MVPs in there too. By the way, like he's yes. like he wants to go down as one of the greatest players of all time. Mm-hmm. That's that's his mindset. I know, you know, I was surviving every day, but I just wanted him to know, like, you know, there's an etiquette to to the way the clubhouse works, and. Yeah. You might not like it, but you'll you'll understand it and appreciate it later. And maybe that's changed now. I think it's changed for the worse, to be honest with you, Case. Yeah. I mean, 
there ain't, I don't know. I always felt like there's a totem pole in the clubhouse. And if, if you don't know where you stand on it, then. Yeah. And I also, I also think that they're, they're starting to push the veteran players. I don't know. It looks to me like the 30 year old players becoming, you know, more of a dinosaur than yeah. as when we, we had the veteran guys. And like I said, I just think that's a big part of being in the big leagues. You need guys like Mark DeRosa and, you know, to, to tell you, hey, man, you can't sit in the recliner. I know oh, you're the, probably the best player on the team, but you got a few years and you can sit in that recliner, yeah. which, yeah. Is, which is great. And, dude, you don't think Bryce Harper sitting in the Philadelphia's clubhouse right now, being the team leader right. that he is, doesn't go back to Jason Worth and yeah. you and, and Zim and those guys teaching him how to be a pro. It's one thing to be a big leaguer. It's another thing to teach a guy, a young kid, how to be a pro, which is which is, which is is great. Um, but that's, dude, it's unbelievable. Like Buster Posey, 2010-11. Then you got Harper. You finish it up with the Blue Jays in 2013. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And, you know, what was it like being in Toronto? I'm Because I know. Well, Case, uh, to be honest with you, it all comes back to my dad, right? 2012, he passes away. I'm with the Washington Nationals, and he passes away. And So sorry, man. And I literally was like, I'd always played for kind of his, I don't want to say enjoyment, acceptance. I mean, yeah, what the, all of it, all of it. Yeah. All of it, right? Yeah. So when that year ended, I'm like, should I just hang, should I just be done? I'm hanging on by a thread, right? <laughs> I really can't offer much. I'm starting to veer more towards the coaches than the players. I still felt like I could hit left-handed pitching in a pinch, but for the most part, it was done. Um, and Alex Anthopoulos of Toronto called me, and, and they offered me a big league job. They'd come in and kind of try and help out Brett Laurie at the time. who was playing third and some of their younger players. And I said, you know, I'd always played for my father, and he's not. I'm going to play one more year knowing it, this is it. I'm just going to play and enjoy it. I'm just going to enjoy every day that I get to go to the yard and see the guys and take BP and do the road trips and the show. I'm just going to truly enjoy all of it. And, and kind of, that's what I did. That's what I did that year. And, and to be honest, I actually played pretty decent <laughs> for a bench, bench perspective and Toronto. What a, what an awesome city. What well, I mean, John Gibby, uh, John Gibbons was our manager. Pete Walker is the pitching coach. Uh, Chad Matola was there. Just a lot of good people. Nice. Again, Alex Anthopoulos was the GM at the time. So, a great. I, I expected us to actually be a, a, a little bit better. That was the year they brought in Burley and Jose Ray. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, Josh Johnson came in, and there was a lot of guys on that team. It kind of fell apart pretty quick, but. I enjoyed it. Well, bro, I mean, it's it, it, for, you know, to go down memory lane like this with you and, uh -huh. you know, obviously you're at the network. Now we've been there team, we're teammates now at the network, which has been, which has been a lot of fun. How about that transition for you though? Really quick. I know you did MLB. You're, you have your own show. MLB central in the mornings. Like, you know, when you first got out of the game, like are, are there a couple things that you remind yourself when you watch these guys play, when yeah. you need to critique guys, what, what, what do you remember as playing that, you know, sometimes I know for me, I'm like, man, I, I got to remember how hard that was out there. Like when I'm critiquing guys, like what, what do you, what do you, what do you think as you're critiquing guys now and at the network? I, I say two things before every show. I never at any point, first thing I never at any point was asked to carry a team ever. 
I never hit three or four in any lineup. So to sit there and like try and bury a guy that hits in the middle of the lineup, I, I was never that guy. So I have nothing but love for the guys who go out there every day and are the best. This is the best players in the world. And especially now with the way the pitching's used. I mean, Case, you think back, dude. Some of the guys we would catch, fourth game of a series, third game of a series, those guys don't make rosters now. Pooping it up there. You're like, oh, this is three knocks. This is two, three knocks. You kidding me? (laughs) You roll into PNC Park. By Wednesday, you're grabbing three barrels. (laughs) Now it's like just chainsaws. And then I just tell myself, don't say the F word. Exactly. That's true. Yeah, but I love the game. I love the players. I know how hard it is uh, to be great, and I appreciate what they do. And you're putting yourself out there every night. I used to say this to my brother. I said, "You wake up, you shower, you go to work, you go on one for three, one for four every day, no matter what." Now, maybe I said, "We go." I drive to the yard and. I could be a hero or I could be the laughing stock of, you know, it's out there for everyone to see every day, all your boys. So I was just like, always. That's the truth. I always say, one thing I always said to myself as an analyst, I always say, don't forget how fast it is out there. Yeah. Game's fast. Everything's fast. And it's, it's these guys, you know, you're talking, you're splitting hairs about, you know, getting, have being successful or not being successful. So I always try to remember, man, how hard the game was, man, yeah. how hard it was. So we got two things, d we end the show with. We All got right. um, who'd you own and who owned you. That's the first thing. Oh, who'd you man. own and who owned you? Easy. Easy. Roy, uh, the guy I owned and loosely based owned was Roy Oswald. Wow. wow. Why? How? <laughs> it was nasty. You know, I don't know, Casey. Through four-seamer kind of. Middle away, he wasn't a guy that threw in a lot. He slowed his arm action down with that slow breaking ball. And he had, listen, he, the, the good, the great pitchers like Justin Verlanders, the Josh Beckett's, the, the these guys are throwing me heaters. They're not <laughs> wasting their nasty. It's like, so I could hit a heater to right field. I can grab a couple knocks. But Roy Oswald was a guy that I had a lot of, a lot of, success off of and the guy who actually owned me i i know this because by the end of my career i actually begged out of games against this dude and you're gonna you're gonna be like what brayden looper no. Brayden looper yes what? cardinals and marlins right what three <laughs> for 36 or three <laughs> for i mean I, I i don't get it i used to go back to the dugout and like throw my bat i'm like i don't everyone's just Getting missiles and I can't, I can't catch anything off this guy. Finally, Penella, he goes, "Hey, I'm going to bench you. you. Your numbers are garbage." Off this guy, I'm like, thank you. Oh, I don't know. oh my god, I don't so want good. it anymore. That's so good. Oh my god. All right, last thing we do this thing called nine and ninety. Chinch asks a Chinch asks a question. I'll answer first. You answer second. Just fun. Fun, some fun questions, Chinch. Take it away, brother. All right, I'm excited. And one real quick note while you guys are talking about analysts, my dog's barking upstairs. Uh, you two guys, nobody has worked harder to become as good of analysts, in my opinion, as a producer, as the two of you. You're two of the best in the business, and the work that you two both put into it to get to the place you are, 
it's well deserved, and I love you guys. Thank both you, Chinch. For it. Thank, Thank you, brother. Chinch. All right, on that note, let's get a little fucking weird here. Okay, <laughs> first one, Sean. What would be worse, my fellow Ivy Leaguer here? Poison ivy on your face or on your ass? Probably your face, because if it's on your ass, you can just let it rip all day long. Guys, like guys <laughs> scratching his ass, but on my face, I'm like, you know, I, I, it just looks terrible. Okay, I'm the same. All I'm right. the I, I exact same. Give it to me on the ass all day long. <laughs> All right, second one. This is tough. Pick one to be at the top of this list. Ali, Jordan, Brady. You know what? I'm going to have to say Tom Brady. I mean, seven championships. Eh, I don't know. Am I wrong? Oh, my God. <laughs> what do you got here? I don't think there is a wrong answer. No, I think you're right. I'm, I'm enamored by Tom Brady because I don't think Tom Brady realized he was going to become Tom Brady. Right. 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 Yeah. He came from a different place. Jordan's an assassin. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, so you're going with Jordan. <laughs> yeah. I would say Michael Jordan. Plus with the shoes and everything. Like yeah, he changed, the, the, he changed, yeah, changed the, the sporting. All right. Great. All right. Okay. Would you rather be able to communicate with animals, Sean, or know every human language in the world? Ooh. Uh, ooh, wow, that's I don't miss Ivy League. Where do you dude. get these questions, shit? <laughs> oh, I'm out of my mind. Yeah, both. I want both. You know what? I, I think uh, if I could communicate with animals, that'd be awesome because I'd have like a couple lines at my house. Like, right? I'd be like, you're going to come over to my house? My lion's going to eat you. Nice. You know, maybe an elephant in the backyard. I would just <laughs> I would just be like, the, you know, the animal whisperer, dominate life. Good. What do you got, Tira? My word. I mean, at the end of the day, communicating with animals, who gives a shit, right? I want to be able to travel and actually talk to human beings. So I would say, I would say, I want to know every language so I would feel comfortable no matter where I was. Beautiful. You're good at this. All right. This is a tough one. Pick one, Sean. Walk barefoot into a gas station bathroom or you got to eat a gas station egg sandwich. Which one are you choosing? Oh. <laughs> You know what? I, I, I needed that I needed a I gas station egg sandwich if I had to. You know, you're you're on the road. I've been there before. You're like, you got you're starving. Got bad boiler. You're like, I'm starving, and I roll up to you know, and they're like, well, we have these egg sandwiches. You might crap your pants in the next thirty minutes. I'm like, I'll take it. It's all good. Okay. My God. <laughs> I would have to say the egg sandwich too. Yeah. But I, I don't I, I'm not a big like germaphobe. Mm. I wouldn't have a problem walking in there. <laughs> Chip, chips on the line. Chips on the line. I don't I, I think I, I'd be all right. All right. Oh my God. I mean, you've been in some of these porta potties outside the World Series trailers? Oh forget oh no, forget about it. Forget about I mean it. disgusting. You need a hazmat suit. <laughs> It's devastation in there sometimes. You walk in, you walk in like, what happened in here? Is somebody murdered? No, it's someone dropped a humongous diarrhea turd there, and they can't get rid of it. All right, here on a lighter note. In your single days, would it have been cooler to date a Hollywood superstar or an Olympic gold medalist? Hey, I, I could care less about being an athlete. Give me <laughs> yeah, I, I'd probably I'll, say the Hollywood star. I'll do the athlete stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I want the Hollywood star too, you know what I mean, back yeah. in the day. But. Yeah. All right, three three quick ones left. All right, pick a brothers. Best one, Isley Brothers, Doobie Brothers, or Allman Brothers? 
It's not that. You know what? I really love Greg Allman. And I'm going to have to go with the Allman brothers and Derek Trucks, too. He's in there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when and when Greg Allman went on his own and said, I'm no angel, I'm no stranger to them dog, let me drive you crazy. You know? So I'm going with the Allman brothers. <laughs> I would say growing up in Jersey, Chench, July mm-hmm. 4th picnics. You know, kind of the soundtrack. Yep. There was no Allman Brothers playing. <laughs> and there was no Isley Brothers. It was the Doobie Brothers. Doobie <laughs> Brothers. Yeah. They're the best. Listen I to the music. It. Listen to the music. What there a song. <laughs> right, I, two, I would definitely say them. Two more. This is a dad question. What's worse, stubbing your toe or stepping on a Lego? You know what? Stepping on a Lego can be devastating. I used to get on the kids when they were younger. You hit the Lego, you're like going up to go to bed, and freaking Legos everywhere. You turn the corner, your 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 son just made one of those boats that you got him for Christmas. Bam! You hit the Lego, you're like, ah! You're like, I can't believe the pain. I'm I'm having this Lego right now. So I'm going with Lego because I've been there. It's terrible. Quick, I'm gonna tell the quickest story. I'm saying stub my stub in your toe because I had an above ground pool as a kid and I come home from school and my dad's like, you're pitching tonight, so don't go in the pool and tire yourself out. I'm like, all right. Well, I was in the pool and he came in the, and he came in the driveway and I jumped out of the pool and I'm running for the back door and I stubbed my toe, like took the nail clean off. And I'm, I'm, I'm like a huddled mess. In the downstairs bathroom, huddle mess bleeding. Oh and he comes down, he's beating on the door. He's like, why is it wet? And I was like, oh he's God. like, he's like, you're not putting a band-aid on that. You're pitching to no me. And, and you're not telling your mother. Oh and dude, it was the most excruciating <laughs> night of my life. That's terrifying. Oh my God. Do you remember crazy. how you pitched? No, but I'm sure <laughs> Italy dominant. All right, last one. Good. We're in the middle of punch out everyone. Nice. Okay, mini Olympics tomorrow between Sean Casey and Mark DeRosa. Three events: squats. <laughs> oh, I lose. Bench and Man. a forty-yard dash. Who comes out with at least two out of the three wins? Oh, bro! I listen. D Rose still jacked when I see him. Like, hey, I got- are you like? Are you? You're, but you're like one of those freaky strong dudes. Are you? No, like- yeah. no, bro. I'm not. I'm not. I wish I was. I'm not. Like I got. Like I, to squat. Like I gotta really like get after. Like I got Jim <laughs> Casey's ass. Like my dad's like the chalkboard. I'm like, Dad, why don't I have like the the bubble butt? I'm looking for that. Like I'm like squatting at Richmond. Like here we go, baby. Where, where the hell's that ass? You know. And pretty much it never came. So no, you would kill me. You, you, <laughs> Hatchet. hatchet wound poop falls out of a hatchet wound. <laughs> All right, that's it. That's nine and ninety. Oh that's, that's where my Ivy League education went, Dero. Hatchet wound. You can only get this shit in the mayor's office. The hatchet wound and poop's falling out of it. What the hell? What's going on, Dero? Oh, brother, you're the best man. Thank you, brother, for your time. Very grateful, bro. Love you, man. We'll see you at the network soon, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, brother. Awesome stuff, dude. Awesome stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Brother, that was awesome. So great. I mean, you know, it's you gotta love like bringing when your when your good friends come on and you learn new things about them and stories and what what you know all the things that made them who they are and. And, uh, you know, their careers and, you know, D Rose's story of just 
going to Penn, playing football, playing baseball. You know, uh, his relationship with his dad was fascinating to me. Um, You know, and uh, just, you know, all the guys he's played with, the Posies and Harpers and, you know, just what a cool story. And that was just, that was a ton of fun, man. A ton of fun cool for both of us because we know him so well. Yeah, that's a cool thing. We always say, like, when we have somebody we we both know, it's, we still put in all the same amount of effort and work, but it's really more of like a little relaxed feeling knowing like, Oh, we're going to talk to our friend. And he really is our friend because he, everything he talked about, like it's not a surprise that he wound up becoming like a leader of teams, even when he wasn't playing as much towards the end of his career, because he really, he takes that same, that same attitude towards what he does now at the network. He's, he's a team player, a morale builder. And, uh, just a, just a good person who knows you got to work hard to get what you want in life, and if you do that, you're, you're, you're going to be successful in some way. And it was fun for me because it, it is probably he probably only is one of the only relatable professional athletes to me because we did very similar things. Obviously, he was much better, but like to hear his stories about back in college and all that, it just it just took me back to how difficult that journey is for somebody like. You know, to be an athlete in an Ivy League school, but then all of a sudden to turn that into a professional athlete career, you don't see it very often in this uh, in this generation of stuff. So it was cool to be around him yeah. today. Yeah, and cool to see the belief he had in himself, like yeah. from his dad and stuff. So yeah, it was cool, man. Awesome. Yeah. Another great, another great time in the, inside the mayor's office <laughs> for all the people out there that are joining us. You know, please uh, keep subscribing, tell your friends, keep downloading everything. And uh, you, we're, we're very grateful that you join us. Yeah, and hey, week. only a few days left. Get the Manscaper. Go to yeah, the game of our commercial yeah. and get Go the to Manscaped.com. We're not going to Chidge and I need to sell those, okay? <laughs> we, we need to sell them before the holidays. Please, we need to eat, too. We like to <laughs> yes. eat. We got problems. We want to buy Christmas presents. Please go buy some Manscapes. Yes. It's the only way. We haven't even got a dollar yet. One of these days, Chidge. One of these One days. Day. Someone's going to give us a quarter somewhere. <laughs> All, right, All right, to everybody out there, Merry have a Christmas, great holiday. Happy holidays. And stay, and stay grateful. See you next week, brother. See you, buddy. Love you.